Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is story time this time and I'm going to share uh, a little story from my own experience and a lesson or two learned from that experience. I enjoy sharing some of these stories at my clinics and often I'll wrap up a clinic with one of these stories from my experience and and particularly here in New Zealand sharing some unique things that a lot of folks here will never have uh, seen or experienced and and maybe never get the chance to but something that highlights some of the things that we're learning and uh, working on with our horses and our horsemanship often a story that brings out some lesson or some something that we've touched on in what we're doing so here's a story and I've titled it A Bear of a Time, and I hope you enjoy, and we'll talk a little bit afterwards about some of the lessons that can be gleaned from this experience. Now, it was meant to be a fairly simple task, gathering and driving 25 broodmares and their foals to some fresh grass in some pastures high in the Bighorn Mountains of northern Wyoming. The mares all knew the way, and once we got them started down into the canyon, there was only one way up the other side. It was a beautiful midsummer day, and I was riding Georgia in beautiful black and white paint filly. Along with me rode another cowboy, an excellent horseman, originally from Chihuahua, Mexico. I recall it was early afternoon as we gathered the bunch and pushed them towards the steep slope leading down into the canyon. All seemed to be going to plan. As the lead mares started down the incline and I quietly rode at the tail end, pushing wayward foals to catch up with their dam. Suddenly, I saw the horses at the front of the herd swing around and come barreling back up the grade, causing a cloud of dust to rise in the breeze. My friend was already riding at a run to turn the leaders back and I quickly urged Georgia to circle the other way. We were able to get the bunch gathered again, and we made another attempt, but with the same results. And another, and not being quitters, yet another. We were fairly frustrated by this time, and we could not see any reason for these experienced horses to be refusing to cross down through this familiar canyon. Well, long story short, we finally got them strung out and they seemed like they were started down and committed to getting across. The leaders had dropped out of my sight down into the canyon and I was getting the drifters at the back lined up to follow. It was looking pretty promising. Just to be sure they wouldn't turn on us again, I loped along the edge of the canyon back a ways maybe 20-30 feet in a position to block any more rebels. There was quite a bit of undergrowth between the aspens, but I had found a deer trail that made for easy going. Now the dark object ahead and 
to my left caught my eye and I brought my horse to a quick stop as I realized it was a large black bear. It was a long second that we looked at each other before I suddenly noticed that her two cubs were not too far off to my right. Georgia and I stood right between them. Now, black bears are fairly shy. Unlike their larger cousin, the grizzly bear, they aren't known for picking fights with humans. But I was pretty sure she wasn't going to be thrilled with the idea of me being parked there between her and her babies. And Georgia shared my concern. So we put together a nice little rollback, a great lope departure, and we beat a hasty retreat up the trail. <laughs> the last of the horses were trailing into the bottom of the canyon as I returned sort of to where we had been milling them around, and I could see the leaders climbing out the other side, heading for that fresh country to graze. And I often use this story to help folks recognize the importance of working on accuracy with their communication and what we're trying to communicate with our horses. There are many, many practical applications for precision, and we certainly can't always afford to wait until we require it to actually work on our accuracy. A good example would be opening a gate from horseback. When the time comes that you may want to try that or need to try that for a reason, or even if you're doing it in a competition, obviously a little practice goes a long way with that. And it's not something that necessarily needs to be drilled on. In a real life situation, every gate's a little bit different, and so it needs to be something that you can communicate to position your horse accordingly and, and according to the way the circumstances or the way the gate works. And you may need a little hindquarter shift here, a little shoulder there, a little sideways this way, a little back here, a little forward there, just to put you in just the right position to get that gate opened and get through it and get it closed without having to step down. That's just a practical application of, of working on accuracy and gates I find to be really, really valuable tools. We actually uh, have a video coming up that we're going to have on our online video library about that exact subject. Another one that I often use for folks to help them realize where we can go with this sort of idea is, you know, you're trail riding, you're out there traveling along and the person in front of you maybe gets their hat knocked off by a branch or they bang their knee on a tree or a rock as their horse goes by. And we want to have the ability to position our horses so as that doesn't happen to us. To be able to ask our horses just to leg yield or sidestep out, you know, around this obstacle or whatever the case may be, even just to stop, right? Stop now, hang on, let's, let's get ourselves reorganized so that doesn't happen to me. And so whatever the situation is, there's plenty of practical opportunities where accuracy or precision is needed. And so many times, many of us as riders, or it seems like many folks just manage to scrape by, right? And they get their knee banged on the rock or, or they just have to get down to open the gate or whatever the case might be. And we miss the opportunity maybe to even use those things to better our communication, to better our horsemanship. And in the meantime, there's always the potential for a wreck. There's always the potential for injury or whatever might happen because we haven't actually taken the time beforehand to work on these things. 
I think our horses, first of all, need to be comfortable with a certain amount of, I guess what you could call a sense of urgency, right? It pays to get them accustomed to us dialing it up and dialing it down, bringing the energy or the intensity up around a situation or the way that we would like them to operate. And then also bringing it back down, you know, so that they have the chance to reset and soak on something and maybe release any tension that came about because of that. And we're wanting, of course, their comfort zone to get bigger in that. We're not trying to scare them beyond, you know, beyond what they're capable of coping with, but that they would learn through that process that they're able to operate there. They can be responsive or, or try to be responsive and they can come back to a, a state of being more okay in their mind and emotions. The thing is, horses naturally only move their feet fast or quickly when they're either playing or feeling, fleeing. Sorry. So both of these activities have behavior that we're not really looking for when it comes to our communication and what we're doing when we work with them. For instance, if a horse picks up speed and, and goes to move off quickly uh, in a way that would be dangerous, say, if we were riding them, if it wasn't our idea, right? As a, it's a reactive thing for them, right? They're either fleeing or they're playing, right? They're having a good old time kicking up their heels. And so when their mind thinks that and they go to do that, those motives and, and the way they do it can be quite dangerous for us humans to be around or try to try to ride that if it's not something that we're ready for and have asked for and we're working with. And so we need that speed, we need that physical ability and athleticism, but we need it right at our fingertips for accuracy, and we also need it to be something that the horse is responsive in. He's not just reacting or spooking out from underneath of us or running off with us or whatever the case might be. It's actually a responsive, willing, uh, on his part, coming to that situation and bringing his, his part to that, that partnership in that moment through that athleticism. And so it's important that we actually start that process before we actually need it, if we're really gonna have the success that we're looking for. It's good to develop or to think about developing over a, the course of time, things like go, now, stop, now, turn, now, right? That the transitions can happen a little bit sharper, a little bit quicker, a little bit uh, more one right after the other, whatever the case might be. And this doesn't just happen, you know, now, right? We can't just go out now that we've talked about this and say, all right, horse, <laughs> this is how we're going to do things from now on. It doesn't work that way. But if you haven't sort of given this some thought, start to purposefully put those things into place that you can gradually build the ability for your horse to handle a little bit of intensity handle a, a few more transitions in a faster sequence, handle uh, when you're going to ask them to build up some life or intensity in what they're doing. So that speed, see, speed is not the first thing, right? It can't be the first thing because correctness needs to come first and that has to do with forward and suppleness and balance and strength really to be to put it in an ideal progression to really get speed working in this this way and and all those physical things i just mentioned are of course uh rooted and and have their foundation in the mental and emotional state and abilities and capacity of the horse
So there's, there's a whole lot there, and that kind of would take us off down a rabbit trail here on that, but we're going to talk about that more in an upcoming episode. Essentially, we need to work on these things gradually and intentionally before they're going to be needed a lot. Now, there can be easier situations, like the gate example, that you've got a bit of time and you can just work on it and it's not a life or death situation it's, and you're not you know, losing the whole herd of cattle or whatever the situation is you know, when you fail or, or when your horse misses it and so it's not a big deal. Those are the sorts of things where if you can find some practical application is really, really good to begin to build in some of these ideas of, of accuracy and precision and, and intensity. The second lesson that I think that we can learn from this story here has to do with the fact that there's always a reason that horses do what they do. Essentially, nothing means nothing to a horse. Everything means something. Now, we as humans can't always figure it out. We don't always understand their thought process, and it certainly doesn't always line up with our reasoning because horses don't think like we do, and they don't see life like we do. They have very different perspectives. They also don't reason like humans do, okay? They don't have the frontal lobe in their brain, okay? They have a different type of a brain. It's, they're mammals, right? So it's very similar, but, but they, the cognitive reasoning that a human has, the horse just doesn't have. It's more instinctive-based. And so it doesn't always make sense to us. And we don't always see what they see or understand things like they're understanding it. But we can be pretty sure that whatever they're doing, they're doing it for a reason. Many times when we feel like there is no reason or we feel like they may be faking it or pretending or trying to get out of stuff, which a horse can't really pretend, they can't lie. Um, they can certainly learn from cause and effect and they learn how to avoid things, right? Uh, but they're not going to pretend to be scared. Essentially, a lot of these situations can be approached differently if we think about how we're approaching it or how we've prepared our horse for what we're doing. Uh, even if we, again, can't make entire sense of it, we can still, if we can be creative and think about different ways to approach it, different ways to break it down into smaller steps, that's a real big one. Think about the factors that might be having an effect on him, again, from the horse's point of view, and what we can do to break those things down into smaller increments. Or maybe just take a little extra time, just sometimes even just a few moments to just give them time to process and check something out or whatever, and then start again, you know. And a lot of these, a lot of times these ideas will help produce a much better outcome in the situation. So in a nutshell, there's there's always a reason for the way horses are, for what horses are doing. For instance, these mares would not go down in that canyon, and the reason was is that black bear was down there. Her and her cubs were down in that canyon, or had been very recently. When I loped down along that trail and ran into her, I'm pretty sure she had just come up out of that canyon, and her cubs were ahead of her, which put them to the right of me. And my suspicion is they had been down in that canyon, and it had taken them quite some time when they heard the horses start down there and they started out a slightly different way. It took them quite some time with those cubs to get up that steep canyon wall and, and that was why those horses would not go down there. They could smell that bear down there and even though they knew the way and they knew what we were trying to, to accomplish, 
they weren't going to go down there. And so, again, we had no idea. All we could see was this frustrating situation that was supposed to be fairly straightforward, and it wasn't, right? And it's easy for us humans to get into situations like that where we just don't have all the facts. We certainly don't have all the data and all the perspective of what the horse is actually looking at and, and seeing and perceiving and, and assuming about the situation. And they're not always right either, you know, about what they're seeing. But the fact is, where the mind of the horse goes, the horse goes, you know. So let's try to get a hold of their minds. Let's try to get a hold of those feet through their minds and set these things up for success and take the time that it takes. Well, I thank you for listening. I hope you found that helpful. Have a good one, and we'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.